that's two pussies. This is Ronnie. And this is Lindsay. And if this is your first time listening to 5C2P, this is a podcast about witchcraft, herbs, animals, our week, whatever we damn well feel like. Yeah. Because it's our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But mostly about witchcraft and spooky stuff. (laughs) We have a great episode today. We are going to talk about chalices. Yeah, we are. I'm kind of excited about this. This is our second sort of installment in our Tools of the Craft. Yeah. Kind of like series that we started and and haven't really riffed off of lately. (laughs) It's been a little (laughs) bit since we covered a tool. We went, uh, we've been down the rabbit hole of a lot of plants and herbs lately because spring is in the air and we wanted to, uh, we wanted to say sort of thank you to a listener who sent us, gifted us a beautiful chalice that she stole from a creepy hotel in Austin because the best gifts are stolen. Yes, (laughs) they sure are. (laughs) I just, I feel like she really nailed our vibe. (laughs) But, you know, if somebody gives me something, I want to know how to use it. And I am not a great witch um, in that regards. I'm I'm very new to, you know, how to use things like an athame or a chalice. And so we did a little bit of reading, a little bit of research, and we've got our our pussy's intro guide to a chalice today. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into all of that, we're going to light our ritual candle. Yay! Brand new ritual candle, only been lit once before. (laughs) So excited. Officially spring now, you guys. So good. This is a big ass candle. It is a big ass candle. <laughs> it's going to be uh it's gonna be our spring candle. We kind of started going a little bit more seasonal with them. And we've got a beautiful backup candle for uh, for summer, I think. Maybe, unless I don't know, who knows? Maybe maybe, maybe this one lasts us all the way through summer. <laughs> maybe it does, or maybe you're listening and you're like, ooh, I have a candle place that I love and I want to send them a candle. Or maybe you make candles. If you want to send us uh, a gift, a candle, or you just want to say hi, you can always drop us a line on 5C2Ppod at Gmail or on Instagram and say hi. We yeah. love it. Say hi. Give us recommendations for people who make cool candles. Yeah. Or whatever. You know, we like hearing from you. For sure. And I like hearing from you, Lindsay. Aww. So I would like to know, how was your week? Ooh, it was it was a good week, but it was kind of a rough week. Um, I'm now like an all the time closing bartender where I used to have like opening shifts sprinkled in throughout the week, which was nice because my opening shifts are super chill and like kind of meditative and that I get to like prep stuff for the bar in the morning and set everything up and clean things. Now I'm only closing. So that means you show up and there's already people in the bar mm-hmm. and you may show up with other people's shit only half finished Yes, and be right in the thick of serving customers. Yes. But then you get to tear down, clean up for the person who could fuck it all up again the next day. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Except you work with some awesome people. So I, I do. feel like everybody at the bar um, where you work is like really like has each other's back in that way. For sure. Everybody knows what they're doing. We're really quick about everything that we do. We we've like, we've got everything down pat. So it's fun. I am a night person, so it's totally fine for me to like be there late. Um, 
it's just it's just different. Yeah, it's a it's a shift for yeah. sure. Yeah. I I don't think I would be a good bartender either way, but I definitely don't miss working only nights. That I'm just it's so hard to wind down at the end of your shift. I don't know how you do it. I'm like just being like I'm I'm done work, but it's now 1 a.m. and I'm not ready to go to bed. Everybody else is asleep. That's so hard. Well, this is why you get texts between 3 and 5 a.m. <laughs> some nights because I can't wind down. <laughs> That's fair. And I don't sleep well, so. <laughs> Usually I'm drunk because you start drinking after you've been bartending all night. Usually. Not always. If I'm hungover, I don't always drink because I still feel like shit that night. But, like, you know. You drink. You've been serving people sure. drinks all night. Like you're done with them. everybody else gets to have a drink when they're off work. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. I just, yeah. Night shifts are tough, 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 tough for sure. Especially when like nothing's fucking open. <laughs> so yeah, that's the hardest part of it. I think is that you don't have anything to do after you close your bar. Nothing's open. You can't go wind down at somebody else's bar. You just got to go home. Yeah, man, that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. I feel for you. Thanks, man. Well, you can text me at 3 a.m. anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> How was your week? You know what? I, I want to ask you a question. So a couple of weeks ago, you told us about how you installed the Tushy. Oh, yes, I did. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor, no, but it's been like, you guys have had it since October and you just installed it and you were talking, you kind of gave us your first impressions (laughs) on it. How's it been going? Yeah. So I'm a couple weeks into Tushy life now and I'm coming around. (laughs) Uh, What bothered me at first is the little jet of water. It was hard for me to figure out how to position my large ass on like to get like to get the water to go not on my cheek, like, you know, not like out the front of the toilet, trying to figure out like how to angle everything correctly. Now that I've got that dialed in, um, I have a couple of thoughts. The first is that jet stream is fucking powerful. Yeah, you've got to tr- you've got to turn it on slowly. It is not messing around. Blast your uh, ass off the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a couple of like like sleepy three a.m. Mm-hmm. post text message. Oh shit! Now I gotta pee. And like I just like turned it on without really thinking about it because I'm not fully awake. And it's like I feel like it like. I feel like it went in me. (laughs) (laughs) Wakes you right up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I definitely cleaned everything out. But now that I've, now that I've got one, it's not that I'm like you not having one, but I'm, I've definitely moved to, if I want to take a shit, I'm going to use the tushy. If I'm just peeing 50, 50, I don't know. Like it's not really, I don't think that's really what it's for, but I, it's refreshing. It is refreshing. It's refreshing. And I feel clean. I'm about a year into my tushy and I like I wasn't great at wiping my ass with just TP before <laughs> I was a baby wipes user. But now I really cannot wipe my ass without the tushy. <laughs> it's bad. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I definitely enjoy the just like pat pat done. Uh, it's, it's nice to know that there's nothing lurking hidden. I don't know. I don't I, I don't think I was bad at wiping my butt, but <laughs> it's definitely, uh, it definitely feels cleaner. It's just, yeah, it feels nice. It's nice. Good. It's nice. I'm into it. Oh, I'm glad you're coming around. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming around. I'm into it. <laughs> uh, I'm a fucking bidet user. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I feel like 14-year-old to like 16-year-old trench coat wearing fishnet combat boots, black eyeliner me would look at bidet using, flower eating, like dandelion <laughs> soap scrubbing, in bed at 9.30 on a Friday being like, I shaved my legs and these sheets are soft. <laughs> <laughs> and just shake her head. <laughs> I'm like, the highlight of my week is my yoga class. And, <laughs> and yeah, I feel like, I feel like somewhere along the way, <laughs> quarantine <laughs> has made me a very soft person. <laughs> but also a clean and flexible one. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that, dude. <laughs> awesome. Well, if you'd love to tell us about how quarantine has made you soft or or cleaner or anything, <laughs> you could always drop us a line, 5C2Ppod at Gmail. Or you can reach out, send us a message on Instagram. It's 5C2Ppod on Instagram as well. Maybe someday we'll make a TikTok, but I'm too old for that right now. I have not figured it out. <laughs> Fucking trying, man. Send me a send me a DM on Instagram to tell me how to use TikTok. <laughs> and then I'll send you videos. <laughs> Cause I need some help. <laughs> but why don't we take a break? Come on back. And talk about chalices in just a moment. Cool. Be right back, witches. Welcome back. Hey, Kenway is trying to get in your bag, Lindsay. He is. There's <laughs> nothing in there for him except for, like, maybe the piece of wood that I took out of your bathroom. <laughs> He's probably like, this smells like the tub that I like to lick. Oh, probably. He also just likes small spaces and, and structures, and this is some form of structure for him. So, I mean, he's he's been hanging out with us as we record today. Yeah. And very perturbed. He doesn't seem to know where to sit or what to do with himself because you didn't wear your winter coat today. I know. I know. I wore a new leather, and I'm not ready for cat claws to be in God, them yet. No, do not put your <laughs> leather jacket down. He will destroy it. He loves leather and he loves just like fucking kneading the shit out of it. So yeah, all cats do. Yeah. Well, I think what this has uh, told us is that Kenway needs a little cat bed while we record. He's so cute. <laughs> he loves you so much. <laughs> awesome. Well, we are back to talk about chalices. We sure are. <laughs> And as we said at the top of the episode, this was really sort of spurned by the fact that we were gifted a chalice yeah. uh, from the lovely, talented, and wonderful Darlene. And uh, we are very thankful and grateful for it. We love the story that came with it, but we don't really know that much about how to use a chalice. Yeah. When it comes right down to it, uh, it's it's a very well-known, well-used, well-loved tool in witchcraft, but because I practice green witchcraft, which is pretty loosey goosey and uh and Lindsay, you're not a wiccan so it yeah. sort of left us with like ah i know it belongs on the altar <laughs> i know i don't have one <laughs> now what <laughs> so what are we going to use it for exactly and use it we shall so we'll get there eventually on this windy tale of chalices but we wanted to sort of put it out there that 
a lot of what is available in information in a quick read, um, especially all the books that I had or um, on the internet in general, really focuses around chalice use specific to Wiccans. Right. And that's a very specific form of witchcraft, neither of which... Uh, we follow. No. So, yeah. Wicca is a religion. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so um, we wanted to be the first people to say, we're not Wiccan. This is information that we've read, looked up, digested, and now we're going to share. But, you know, if you're listening, you're out there and you're, you practice Wicca, maybe we've got, like, maybe we got something fucking wrong. Let us know. We're always happy to, to make an amendment in a future episode. Yeah. But... That's that's sort of where this tale of chalices starts is with with the Wiccan practice. Totally. So what I learned is that first and foremost, the chalice or goblet is assembled for the element of water, and that's sort of where all of this spurns. But many Wiccans do not consider this to be a tool, but instead a symbol of the goddess, and in particular, her womb. Yeah. And so, like, water and that sort of, like, holding water and growth and life-giving, all of that sort of ties together. It does. Right. If we look back on, like, the athame, which is a very phallic symbol, like, that's totally considered masculine. And so the chalice... Where the chalice yeah, is considered feminine. Very feminine. Yeah. And it bears a lot of similarities with the Holy Grail idea, except that, you know, this is used in witchcraft. And um, instead of the blood of Christ, it's more symbolic of the goddess's womb. Yeah, totally. But I share that just to sort of say, like, this is a thing that's been around for a while. The idea of, like, lifting a cup, the cup symbolizing, you know, something bonding, something maternal, something um, life-giving, you know, all of those sort of things have been around for a while. And so... The, uh, the chalice, specific to the Wiccan uh, religion, is a symbol of abundance and fertility. It has several different purposes in Wiccan rituals, including um, offering of libations to the deities. So literally being like, here's a drink kind mm -hmm. of thing, like using it as a cup and offering that as, um, as a sort of sacrificial offering. Uh, and particular ceremonies and rituals that we'll talk more about later. Yeah. But the chalice can hold water, wine, ale, kind of depends on the ritual. So it can also just sort of stand empty. That's most often how I've seen it because I tend to see chalices in stores. <laughs> and like every good witchcraft store that I've ever been into, and good I know is totally subjective, but the ones that I like always have their own altar set up. And there's almost always a chalice as part of it. And they all look different. They're all super cool and ornate and beautiful. And they're just sitting there empty. And I'm like, it reminds me of communion. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, I've always sort of been like, well, I assume you put liquid in it and drink from it. But if it's not the blood of Christ, what are you sipping? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a good point. I've never taken communion. Oh, fair. I've been a heathen my entire <laughs> life. Yes. <laughs> I've taken communion in several different um, Christian faiths in several different ways. Uh, my least favorite was from the chalice where everybody sipped. Oh, dude, that grosses me that, out so it much. Just. <laughs> yeah, everybody fucking sipped from this chalice. You sipped and then the priest sipped and then you sipped and then the priest sipped. And just, uh, 
the church I grew up in, we had shot glasses of grape juice. Oh, that was great. Okay. <laughs> All right. But uh, but for for witchcraft, uh, you know, this is like this is a, a gift, an offering, and again, sort of symbolizes that sort of healing, life giving, bonding experience. And so, you know, whether you've got something in it or not, like I said, you know, it could stand empty in some rituals and it still symbolizes um, opening oneself to like the abundance pouring forth from the spiritual plane. So, you know, basically it's if it's empty, then it's more of a like you're ready to receive. Fill me up, share what you have to know. Like I'm here, I'm open, I'm listening. And if it's full, so if you like put anything in it, uh, juice or wine or beer or whatever, then it's more of an offering. So it can both give and receive. Kind of like a pussy. Kind of like a womb. Yep. There we go. Yep. <laughs> Brought it all the way around. I mean, yeah. The chalice is a vagina. Yep. And because <laughs> it is occasionally used in conjunction with the wand or the athame to represent the union of male and female in a symbolic rite. Yeah. The great right. So, Darlene, you gave us a gorgeous copper pussy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's what I'm going to think every time I look at it. <laughs> now, our pussy is copper, but there are other materials that chalices can be made out of. Totally. Yeah. So how do you know what the right chalice for you is if you're like, oh, I think this is a thing I want to add to my altar or to my practice or they look so cool. How do yeah. you know what, how to pick the right one? I mean, I think that you just kind of like pick the one that you like the best, really, or like the one that calls to you. Traditionally, the chalice will be silver um, because it's a metal sacred to the goddess. Now, I read that and when I suddenly felt like something went, oh, no shit, because every time I mentally put together a chalice in my mind and like imagine what it looks like, it's almost always silver or pewter. Yeah. It always sort of looks the same. If it's glass, it's like a dark glass bowl held by like a pewter stem. Like it's, but yeah. it's always silver because that's what they always look like in witchcraft shops. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But you can, you can get it in like pretty much any material. You can go like glass or wood or clay or, you know, whatever, whatever calls to you. If that's, if that's what you want to use, go ahead and use it. You can find like simple and less expensive things to use. You can even use uh, something that you already have. So what you're telling me is it doesn't have to be a goblet or chalice shaped cup that I buy at a witchcraft store. It could be just something sacred and special to me that yeah. holds, I'm guessing, holds liquid. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, plastic isn't recommended because it's not like an earth sourced material. So maybe stay away from plastic, but like, yeah, if you have a, like a favorite coffee mug or, or even like you could probably use a bowl if you wanted to. So I got to ask what from your household that you already own, would you use as a chalice? I would probably go to a wine glass first, but I have this cup. I, I call it my whiskey goblet. <laughs> and that's what it is. <laughs> I've, I've been, you have offered libations in your whiskey goblet to me. <laughs> it's like a really big wine glass without a stem and it has a, like an owl etched into it. That's probably what I would go to. That's awesome. Yeah. I am always drawn uh, to a particular set of glassware that my mom had when I was growing up. 
it was carnival glass, but it was that like turquoise peacock blue carnival glass Ooh. that had um, the grapevine like sort of shaped into it. Yeah. And she had a whole set of these. They were actual goblets plus like the water pitcher that went with it. And I always like thought of that as like, like this is what like Renaissance fair people drink out of, which yeah. is super not true. But <laughs> I, I hope she still has those somewhere. I would love to eventually have... A carnival glass goblet. I've actually been looking at glasses like that recently. Um, there's this. There was this glass company, Indiana Glass Company, who made like wine glasses. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm familiar with yeah, them. Very yeah. similar to that. And they did. Um, they did a series of black ones, like oh, all black. Dope. And the black are super hard to find. But I've seen a few of them on Etsy, so I think I'm going to start a little collection of the black ones. That's awesome. Yeah. They uh, now we're tangenting into carnival glass, <laughs> uh, which I love. Uh, and yeah, they make a sort of that peachy orange one too. Yeah. And yeah, I really dig both. I'm I'm both the peachy orange and the sort of cobalt peacock blue fan. Yeah, they're super cool. But if I had to like now that I have a chalice, I don't have to make that decision. No. But if I had to just like pick something that was like already floating around the house, I'm a coffee cup gal. Mm. I just there's like I have a lot of different ones. They have a lot of different meanings. I also love my teacup. I was gifted a beautiful teacup with a with a death head moth inscribed on the inside. So I would say teacup or coffee mug because there's just something wholesome about those particular vessels, even if it says Hail Satan on the outside. <laughs> I actually mentioned coffee cup because I, I pegged you as a coffee cup chalice ah, gal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally am. <laughs> I like my wine in a coffee cup. I'm classy. Come on. <laughs> it's because I won't knock it over. <laughs> so there's really no like right or wrong in choosing a chalice. If it's something I'm guessing that is that is meaningful to you. And, you know, it again is sort of earth sourced materials and it's probably more about how you use it, and how you treat it than what it looks like. Absolutely. And that being said, uh, a lot of resources will recommend that your chalice, if this is going to be what you're using for your chalice, that you you leave it as that. So maybe right. like don't use the coffee cup that you love to have your morning coffee in because you should probably keep it for just rituals. I probably shouldn't use my whiskey goblet because I really like to have my whiskey out of it. And, you know, maybe it wouldn't be great to use them in conjunction. Yeah, I think that that's fair because this is, you know, typically part of your altar, not just part of your rituals, but this is... You know, this is a set of tools for which you, you know, you wouldn't open a can with your fancy chef's knife. Don't drink coffee out of your chalice. <laughs> Maybe retire that cup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So once you've chosen your chalice and you're like, okay, I've got my cup, my goblet, my beautiful inscribed pewter glass, carnival glass, coffee cup, whatever it is, and you know it's going to be your chalice you've kept it and you've reserved it for that how do you take care of it I mean I would say like maybe don't like like stick it in the dishwasher with your other stuff maybe like give it a super special little hand washing Ooh, maybe with some moon water oh that's a really good idea yeah, I, I like, I like washing my tools because every once in a while, like, you know, your shit gets dusty. Yeah. I like washing my things in moon water. doesn't mean I don't also use soap if I think it's appropriate, but yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I would probably use soap. <laughs> if I were going to drink something out of it, I would use soap. 
I think the other thing to note here on like the care is it really is going to depend on what it's made out of. So if you have a copper goblet, the way you polish copper is very different than the way you polish silver or pewter. True. Or, you know, if you have a wood mug or stein or something like that, you're going to treat it different than if you have like a little earthenware, um, a little earthenware clay pot. So really know the material and how you want to take care of it. But yeah, don't just throw it in the dishwasher. Treat it with the respect that it deserves as the symbol of of healing, fertility, life-giving goddess, the womb, whatever it is to you in your practice, treat it with respect. Yeah. Honor it like you would any of your other tools. So how are we going to use this chalice? Great question. Because <laughs> that's essentially how this whole thing started. I'm like, great, I've got one. Now what do I do with it? I mean, I'm going to put it on my altar and make it look pretty, but, yeah. but then what? <laughs> yeah, then what do you do? So there's a bunch of rituals that the chalice, uh, chalice, sorry, <laughs> chalice becomes part of. Um, and it was really going to depend on your practice and what spellcraft you're doing and what rituals you're using. But we also looked up some sort of like just fun general shit you could do with your chalice. And the list, when you just sort of like start going through it, first of all, the list of spells that you can do with it is very long. And again, I'm just going to... Like that depends on what you want to do with it. Um, but the like other shit you could use it for was pretty fun. <laughs> Some of it's a little <laughs> ridiculous. So I figured we'd share. Yeah. So the first one that I saw was that you can use your chalice to collect rainwater for blessings. So oh. if it's going to rain, stick your chalice outside in the rain to collect the water. And maybe you use that water to make moon water. Or maybe use your chalice to make moon water. Put, oh, yeah. Put distilled water in your chalice. Put your chalice outside. Moon water. Oh, yeah. Totally. That's awesome. You can use it in binding rituals, too. So, like, if, if, it, if it doesn't seem weird to you to, to drink out of the same cup as other people, right now it's a little weird. Now it's super well. You're bound in COVID. Yeah. <laughs> But if, but if like, you know, both parties or, or all of the parties are vaccinated and you guys feel comfortable, you can use it as a way to seal the bonds of sisterhood with friends or with a coven. Uh, you can like put some wine in it, pass a chalice around the circle and have each member pledge their friendship to the people next to her. I love that. It's kind of like making a weird Long Island iced tea. Yeah. And I then I immediately want to do that with our D&D group where like <laughs> when we're all vaccinated, when it's safe to do so. So maybe this time next year. But <laughs> would love to like I just like that idea of like everybody brings something that is like a little piece part of them, the spirit that like. Uh, it reminds me also now of like making that soda drink as a kid at the like soda fountain where you're like root beer and orange oh, and Coke. Yep. Yep, totally. <laughs> like this is going to taste terrible because it's going to have Fernet and cider and chartreuse <laughs> <laughs> and some like pink lemonade vodka. Yeah, no, that's super cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, pass around. Everybody put something in it and then everybody sips from it and it bonds you together in sisterhood, which is a much nicer binding ritual than like purposes of binding for love or yeah yeah that yeah. that's bullshit yeah bind is a sisterhood yeah that's cool. totally you can also use it in hand fasting ceremonies 
So sort of like a unity or binding, uh, like a unity chalice or binding ritual, um, it's used in place of a unity candle at a hand fasting ceremony um, where basically the couple pours some wine um, into the chalice so they each like maybe pick their own wine and pour it in and then they each drink from it. Same very, like very sort of similar, different version of uh, of a binding ritual, but hand fasting ceremony to my understanding is basically like bonding you through magic in love as like a wedding ceremony. Yeah. It's, it's just not recognized by the government. Right. Cause fuck them. But yeah, it's <laughs> yes. Basically that <laughs> you can also use it for scrying too. Now this, I kind of want to try. Yeah. I like fortune telling. It's super neat. Uh, so you can like fill your chalice with water and you can add dark ink to the water or you don't have to add anything. I've, I've seen it done where you just, you know, it's just water. Uh, but then you, in this particular little ritual, you can take it outside under the full moon and use it exactly as you would a scrying mirror. You just kind of stare into it and you soften your gaze and you don't really focus on anything. And then you kind of start like psychically seeing things. I wonder, I bet you could use it if you had the right type of vessel as your chalice for tea leaf um, reading as well. Mm. Probably, yeah. Which would be super fun and super cool. Yeah, probably. Um, I've seen that you can use it, again, Very. this is very much depending on what your chalice is made out of, but you could potentially use it as a cauldron or in place of a cauldron. So if it is uh, heat safe, if it has a heat safe finish... Um, you can basically put like a charcoal disc, like one of those ones that you use for hookah, that kind of thing, um, inside of it, and then burn your ritual herbs in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. So, like, probably don't do that with a glass one. Unless it's, <laughs> yeah. Like, unless it's special tempered glass, probably not so much. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe not with a wood one. <laughs> those yeah. sorts of things. You know, be smart. Um, you know, but I think we could probably do it with the copper one, just being aware of the fact it's going to get hot. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Um, if you're working with like a couple of different elements, like say you're working with water and fire, you could put some water in your chalice and float some like candles in it. Like, in, you know, the floaty candles. So this one made me giggle <laughs> and I am not passing judgment if this is a thing that you do, because I, I like that idea of combining elements in a ritual in that way. But a hundred percent made me think of when floating candles were like all the rage in the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> <dude, right? laughs> I was just like, oh my God, I haven't thought of floating candles in so long. I think I still might have some from the nineties. Oh 90s. my God. Maybe. <laughs> They all smell like things like bubble gum and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not great. <laughs> this one I dug too. Again, you have to be careful of what your chalice is made out of as well as what your gemstones are made out of, but you could use it to cleanse or charge your gemstones. So the idea of like leaving your gemstones or crystals in the chalice with water, maybe moon water, rain water, um, and place them overnight, uh, you know, to, to cleanse in the moonlight, or it kind of depends on what you're doing when you're doing it. Maybe you just put them in your cup and stick them on the windowsill in the sunshine could also work and just like charge them with the sun's energy on like a solstice or something like that. But you know, the biggest thing here is being sure you know what you're putting in to the cup, what the cup is made out of, and what the crystal is made out of, because some crystals dissolve in water. And I know it sounds funny, but it would fucking suck to, like, <laughs> choose one of your wonderful, like, 
meaningful crystals and be like, oh man, I want to put it in my chalice full of water because the pussies told me so. And then it melts because sometimes they do or they rust. That's yeah. that I know like at least three of the t- ones that I have would rust. Oh yeah. And that would suck. You've been warned. <laughs> <laughs> we are not responsible for your melting gemstones. <laughs> Um, you could you could use it to like blend potions too, like small little batches of of oils or infusions that you're going to use right away. Just need a little bit. Just like use your chalice to mix it up in. Nice, that I would totally do. Yeah, I would I would be down for that kind of thing. But yeah, it's it's really again kind of depends on you know what your practice is, what your jam is. But there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do with the chalice that is outside of the more traditional rituals um, or or more formal religious ceremonies. Yeah, totally. But that being said, we'd still like to share a little bit about one of those particular formal rituals with you. Yeah. So why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll tell you all about the cakes and ale ritual. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. Coolio. Back in a sec, witches. Welcome back. Oh, thanks. So we're going to talk about the cakes and ale or wine ritual, which I know nothing about. (laughs) So I only really know a little bit about this and Wiccans out there, please forgive me. I am not Wiccan. Um, I did look it up and the internet has like a bazillion different ways of doing this. So we're not going to go through the entire ritual. We're just going to give you like kind of the gist of it. Right. And you can do a lot of reading and research on your own. Ask your Wiccan friends. But this came up so often as the most used, most uh, widely known use of a chalice that it felt silly not to at least give an overview. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that it deserves it. So according to Raymond Buckland's book, The Witch Book, the Encyclopedia of Witchcraft, Wicca, and Neo-Paganism, the Wiccan ritual of cakes and wine or cakes and ale thanks the gods for the necessities of life. And according to Raymond, it's a part of every ritual. Now, I didn't read that specifically in a lot of the descriptions of it a lot of the descriptions that I read said that it's only done as like a part of the great right or like or smaller rites I don't know exactly but it is done during rituals and guess what there's cakes or like cookies usually is what I think they are and some kind of beverage it can be ale it can be wine it can be juice it can be water you know it can be whatever you want to put in there but Essentially, these little like cakes or cookies are prepared and for the ritual, and they're often made in the shape of crescent moons. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And then you have your like goblet of wine or chalice of wine. So somebody, either like a priest or a priestess or uh, uh, a, a woman and a man or a woman and a woman or a man and a man, some combination who are like leading the ritual are going to, one of them is going to have this chalice and one of them is going to have an athame. And as part of this, one of them is going to take this athame and they're going to dip it in to the chalice filled with wine. 
They're going to put their D in the P. Yeah, it's it's very symbolic. Of, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, Thank pe- you. <laughs> a penicenda vagina. Yeah, that's yes. that's what I was assuming there, but wanted to be sure. <laughs> uh, they're gonna like say something as they're doing it, and then they're gonna drink out of it. One of them drinks out of it, the other one drinks out of it, and then they'll like pass it around to the rest of the coven, or or the coven will like come up, and each of them will take turns and drink it. Then. Whoever's holding the athame is going to dip it into the chalice again, and they're going to anoint the little cookies with it, and they're going to say something, and then they're going to take a bite out of it, and then everybody else is going to eat them, basically. Oh, this is communion. Yes. Minus the <laughs> the penis reference. <laughs> yes. There's like this whole thing that people say as this is going on. And I've read different variations of this. Probably like my favorite thing that I've read as far as this sort of ritual goes. And it's very simple. Like as you're drinking the wine, you say, may I never thirst. And you and you pass it on to them and, they, and you say, may you never thirst. Oh, and that's nice. And as with the cookies, may I never hunger. May you never hunger. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's, okay. So... This is much nicer than communion. Yeah. <laughs> There's no guilt. It's all about like sharing in the like wholesomeness and wishing well for each other. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Into it's, it. Yeah, it's cool. Now, I came across another ritual called the two chalices that was sort of dreamed up by this witch named Yvonne Abero. And, and she's written like bo- books on witchcraft and stuff. And... And they said that it has evolved over a couple of decades as a more sort of like a more inclusive cakes and ale ritual to involve like more than one woman at a time. Like if you're if you're doing cakes and ale as a woman with another woman for it to be like a little less weird, I guess, if you don't want to hold the penis. Fair. It's more LGBTQIA inclusive. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they dreamed up this ritual of using, instead of an athame, using two chalices. And where one person will have one chalice and they fill up the chalice, they then will pour the liquid from that chalice into the chalice of the next person and say something along the lines of, I fill your cup with love. Oh, that's nice. I like that one. I like that one more, actually. I do, too. (laughs) And then passing it along to each person in your circle or, you know, even if it's just the two of you. I love that. I like that that makes it more inclusive for everyone. And I it's it's that fucking incredibly like incredibly homophobic and dusty like thought of like, well, there's two women doing the ceremony. Which one's the man? Yeah. It's like neither, neither yeah. fuckers. Like they're both women or they're both like, they're both non-binary or they're both whatever the fuck they want to be. And I, and I kind of like that this ritual involving two chalices, like just removes that premise right. of, well, one of us has to play the role of the guy. Right. It's like, we're not. <laughs> and it removes any assumptions from anybody else who might be involved in it. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah. But Yvonne does go on to say that, like, anybody, no matter who you are, can do this ritual. I think that, that yeah. yeah. I, I just think it's really cool, like, to 
see a practice like that evolve and be open to like interpretation and like anything else, like any other practice, make it what you want, make it important to you, make it comfortable for yourself and those others that are involved. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's awesome. I'm into it. So in closing, I, I kind of wanted to include this last little tidbit on tarot because um, although like although the chalice isn't necessarily used specifically for a tarot reading, it did come to mind and I wanted to see if there was any sort of like crossover between the chalice as an altar tool or a ritual tool and the symbol of cups in the traditional tarot deck. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So I, I was just more curious than anything. So I figured I'd share, if I'm curious, somebody else out there listening must be curious. Yeah. And so I figured I'd share a little bit of uh, overview on the suit of cups, which can be its whole own conversation for another episode. But as it relates to the suit of cups or goblets, as they're known um, in tarot, it is it is sort of aligned. So the cups or goblets relate to the element of water, which means and represents sort of this fluid flowing um, sort of power that's also very formative. Uh, they're linked to the water signs of Pisces, Cancer, and Scorpio. And they deal with the emotions, um, the emotional level of consciousness um, associated with love, feelings of relationships and connections. So very much like the symbol of the goddess uh, and, that, uh, and, and that use of chalice, the goblet or cups in tarot also related to to water, to healing, to emotions, to love, um, and to feminine power. They're also linked to various cards within the suit are linked to creativity, romanticism, fantasy, and imagination. And cups can often indicate in a reading that someone is thinking with their heart and not with their head or acting on emotion rather than reason. Oh, okay, cool. And that's sort of where I'm going to leave it because with tarot, I'm a firm believer of it depends on what deck you're using. It depends on who you're reading for. And it depends on what your own practice is as the both the receiver and as the tarot reader. And everybody um, is going to get a slightly different reading with different decks. For example, the Rider-Waite-Smith deck and the Ophidia Rosa deck are going to have different meanings for each single card. They're still aligned. It's still a cups. It's still emotion driven. Uh, it's still dealing with head over heart or heart over head or, you know, forming your opinion around the, like that of others, all of those sorts of things. But, but each tarot is going to be a little bit different. So as a whole, when you're thinking about cups and chalices in relation to tarot cards, where it comes up fairly often, you're thinking about emotional cards, thinking about feminine energy. You're thinking about your heart and not your head. Cool, dude. I love that little link between them. That's yeah, awesome. I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool to see that there was at least a little bit of crossover and it wasn't like, oh, yeah, in tarot, the goblets are like a symbol of fire and be like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I liked the um, the unit, the unity there. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Sweet. Well, I've learned a little something about my chalice, our chalice, uh, the 5C2P chalice. Me too. I like that it's, I don't know, I like I like that it's a symbol of feminine power and feminine energy. I think that's such a dope, thoughtful, amazing gift. We'll share a bunch of photos on our Instagram of it. 
and we hope to use it in a future ritual. Oh, I'm so excited. Awesome. Sweet. Well, we'll be back again next week. We hope that you're enjoying that dope spring air out there. Get outside, get some sunshine, or kick it with favorite video game. But, you know, until then, remember, no pervs, no Nazis. Totally.